Welcome to the Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm. Here are your hosts, experienced lawyers, writers, and entrepreneurs, Heidi Alexander and Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Legal Toolkit here on Legal Talk Network. I'm your host, Heidi Alexander. I'm also a law practice advisor with Massachusetts LOMAP. LOMAP provides free and confidential law practice management consulting services to Massachusetts attorneys. For more information on LOMAP's offerings, visit our website at masslomap.org. So here on the Legal Toolkit, my co-host, Jared Korea and I provide you with a new tool each month to add to your own legal toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. And I've gone to great extremes to bring you today's podcast. Having spent the past weeks digging myself out of Boston's snowmageddon, I'm finally back in my office and ready to record this exciting podcast. So today we'll be chatting about the 21st century legal career. As we're all aware, legal jobs, traditional ones, that is, post-law school graduation are few and far between, requiring job seekers, whether you're new to law or transitioning from a traditional legal job, to think a little bit more creatively. So I'm excited to have Allison Monahan and Lee Burgess on today as my guests. So these two are women who are forces to be reckoned with. Allison and Lee have co-founded two companies together, Trebuchet and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. So um, if one of you would like to chime in, um, I'd also like to know where you got that name. Well, to be honest, we're probably changing that name soon um, for the exact reasons that you identified. <laughs> <laughs> no one can pronounce it. Our friend um, Tyler Coulson, the guy who walked across the country with his dog, is actually the one who came up with the name. We wanted to call, you might know, uh, we have thrown previously a conference called Catapult twice that had to do with legal careers. So trebuchet is a type of French catapult because we were having some IP issues trademarking actually catapult. <laughs> okay. Well, at least I got the uh, pronunciation correct. All right. So you've got Trebuchet Legal, which is a legal career counseling uh, firm. And you've also founded a couple of companies with uh, easier to pronounce names, I guess. <laughs> uh, the Law School Toolbox and Bar Exam Toolbox, which is a bar exam prep service and an online resource guide. Allison also founded and runs the Girls Guide to Law School, a site that helps law students get the most from their law school experience, which was previously named one of the top 100 blogs by the ABA Journal. And Lee founded and runs Amicus Tutoring, providing individualized approach to law school test and bar prep. So I'm not quite sure how these two found the time to join me today, uh, but since they're on the line, let's hear what they've got to share with us. So thanks for joining me today, Allison and Lee. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. So you both began your legal careers at law firms, but you pursued careers alternative to the traditional route. And this seems to be more and more common these days, particularly with respect to technology. Um, how would you both define the 20th century 
legal career? And sort of what does that look like from your perspectives? Um, Heidi, do you mean the 21st century legal career or do we talk? Well, about that would be, <laughs> we could talk about the 20th century. Career. I mean, maybe we need to talk about the 20th century before we can talk about the 21st. Yeah, we can go, we can go back there. No, my preference would be the 21st century, but thank you <laughs> for the correction. Um, yeah, well, I think it's an interesting question. I mean, you know, the, the sort of essence of lawyering in some sense hasn't really changed in the sense of being a trusted advisor and giving people advice, but, you know, the world has changed around us. Um, and I think it's an interesting conversation whether this sort of downturn in the legal profession is a result just of the economy and the recession that we are emerging from. Um, I mean, I saw a chart yesterday that suggests maybe not um, versus sort of a more structural change in the profession that has to do with things like technology um, and outsourcing and globalization and all that kind of stuff. So my best answer is kind of it's hard to say exactly what the 21st century legal career looks like. And I think in some ways it looks similar to the 20th century where, you know, you're giving advice to people about the law but I think in sort of fundamental ways, it potentially looks quite different. I don't know, Lee, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think that's right. I, I also think that one of the things that's changing from the new lawyer perspective is this idea that, you know, your legal career has to be the traditional, you know, join a firm, try and become partner, you know, that kind of linear track just um, isn't either as appealing anymore or there are more options for people to um, to explore. And I think technology has a you know, a big thing to do with this because, um, you know, people can open solo practices out of their homes. Um, you know, virtual practices are now becoming much more prevalent, um, which allows people to um, offer legal services in many different ways um, that they haven't before. So I think, you know, the, the traditional path of you graduate from law school, you get a firm job, you work at that firm, you become partner. Um, that's, path just isn't necessarily the only option. Um, and then I think as our world changes, the um, the economy is supporting different types of legal jobs. Um, you know, maybe you're not practicing law, but maybe you're working in e-discovery or you're working in-house for a startup. Um, there are so many new legal issues that are happening in our world that I think the, um, the need for lawyers um, is changing constantly, which creates new opportunities for people. So in terms of different types of jobs or alternative jobs to the the more traditional model. Do you have to be a certain type of person or are there certain qualities that you need to have or even skills? I mean, for example, so you're both very entrepreneurial, clearly, uh, tech savvy and willing to take risks, but you know, not everyone falls into those categories. Um, so you know, how, how do um, how do people sort of figure that out, you know, based on their strengths and weaknesses and, and where, uh, which type of career or, uh, you know, whether it's traditional or alternative um, that they're aligned with? Lee and I kind of laugh that both of us are sort of accidental entrepreneurs. It's certainly, if you had told me in law school that I would be running a business, I would have said, absolutely not. Like, you're crazy. I have no interest in business. I have no skills in that area. I wouldn't even begin to know where to start by doing marketing or anything like that. So this idea that, you know, we're sort of inherently more entrepreneurial than the average person, I'm not sure is entirely accurate. I mean, I think Lee has a similar story. I mean, tech savvy, we'll buy that. I used to be a web developer. But I think the point here is just, you know, you learn to do the things that you need to do. And there are lots of resources out there. So 
when I was still working at the firm and I wasn't really quite sure what direction I was going to go, but I was pretty sure I wasn't going to be there that much longer. I actually took a course um, online on marketing because I thought, you know, this is something I probably need to know if I start a solo practice or if I do something else. And I didn't really have a clear conception, but I just thought, you know, this is something that I don't know. I need to know and I should probably take steps to know. And it turns out, you know, the stuff is not rocket science. Like they're just things you can learn. Um, And, you know, about the willingness to take risks. I think there's a really interesting book on this called The Startup of You. And it's written by the founder of LinkedIn. And I think that's a really good one to sort of reconceive how you think about your career in the 21st century. Yeah, I mean, I think Allison and I talk a lot about the fact that attorneys, um, we are trained to be risk averse. That's part of our training. And um, to give up kind of that traditional path and leave the firm and do something different is a huge risk. And I think um, a lot of people struggle with just the fact that they have to do something that's kind of against the grain, um, against the norm. I consider myself pretty risk averse and it was a tough choice to, um, to leave, you know, the promise of the law firm career, but I knew it wasn't going to make me happy in the long run. And I think, you know, I, I totally agree. You know, I was also, I also consider myself an accidental entrepreneur, but just like Allison, which, and we hadn't met at this point, I was also sitting in my uh, big firm office at lunchtime reading uh, documents on how to set up LLCs and teaching myself, you know, what it would be like to run my own business by myself. And, and so I think, you know, exploring those options while you're even doing your other career, we sometimes call this starting the side hustle is a really great idea because then you can kind of test the waters and see if you're going to be comfortable going in that direction. Um, and you have to be willing to learn a lot of stuff. You know, um, we had to learn, we still learn every day something comes up that we didn't know about. And, um, if you're not kind of in a place where you like challenging yourself to do things that you're uncomfortable with all the time, then it's probably a better idea to work for somebody else. Right. But at the same time, I think, you know, lawyers have been trained to do research. So you, you should have some confidence, basically, that whatever comes up, you're probably going to be able to figure out what resources are there to help you know what you need to know, because that's essentially what we've been trained to do. And so I think lawyers in some ways, you know, when they do decide to go out and do something differently, do have an advantage over, you know, say a designer who has no idea how to use the library. Um, Because we know that we can learn things. We've learned lots of different types of law. Whenever you have a case, you have to get up to speed really quickly. So that's something that lawyers are actually quite already quite good at. And we're good at asking other people for advice when we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> so, Some of us are. <laughs> it can be helpful, you know, to have, uh, to be able to say like, you know, instead of trying to become an expert in employment law, maybe I'm going to call an employment lawyer <laughs> and get some questions answered. Well, I, I think that idea of asking for advice is important too, because, you know, if you're looking for, you know, maybe a different type of job uh, or you're thinking of, you know, leaving a, a firm, um, you have to make those connections to figure out, you know, what's out there, what's available. Um, and then this idea of allowing yourself to take risks and experiment. Um, and, and that's something that I did personally in, in my career. I was at a firm. Uh, I also happened to try out on entrepreneurship. And then I discovered this very unique position at, at LOMAP. Uh, and, and it all worked out. But clearly, you know, you, you need to take those risks. Um, but 
let's talk a little bit more about that transition from, let's say, a, a traditional legal career and whether that's, you know, at a, at a large firm, uh, someone who, uh, you know, maybe is an associate who's not really on partnership track, uh, wants to break out, do something else, uh, or, you know, maybe it's a partner who, um, who's decided that they'd like to leave the law firm life, or, or maybe it's a solo practitioner whose business has, has dried up, um, they want to try something new. Uh, you know, when do you know that it's time to make that change? How do you make that transition? What's your advice for those folks? I mean, it's hard, I think. Um, (laughs) I know that Allison and I both debated um, leaving our positions at the firms. And, you know, when we we have other friends and people who we work with who, you know, have made those decisions as well, it's it's not easy. We are risk averse, you know, so you want to feel like you can be confident in what you're going to do next. I think that um, giving yourself some space to really explore what your options are. So, you know, networking and talking to lots of people, really discovering what the opportunities are out there. You know, if you are a partner at a firm and you're unhappy and you want to go in-house, you know, you don't have to quit to meet every in-house lawyer that you can possibly meet to learn more about the different opportunities. Do you want to go to a startup? Do you want to go to a large company? I mean, there are lots of different opportunities that are out there. Um, If you think you want to be an entrepreneur, you should probably talk to a lot of different entrepreneurs um, and learn about what that reality is like and make sure that that, you know, sounds attractive to you. I think a lot of work can be done while you're still, you know, in your stable job. Um, so you feel like you can be confident about where you're jumping to. And that is if you are in a happy enough place that you can have the, you know, emotional and mental bandwidth to do that exploration. Some people feel like they don't have the time um, to explore those options. And so some people feel like they need to leave in order to kind of take a step back and survey their life. So you have to really, I think, listen to yourself and reach out for help. I mean, I know a lot of people um, who've really benefited from working with um, some kind of a coach to kind of work through what they want from their lives, you know, to look at the big picture, to get some external feedback from someone who's not, you know, a direct mentor. So you should really, you know, utilize all your resources. I read a bunch of books about different entrepreneurs just to see people's stories because I didn't really know like what it looked like to build something from, you know, your laptop by yourself. <laughs> so, and then luckily I met Allison and I don't have to do it by myself anymore. So I, I just think that it's, it's important to, you know, take some time and, and to learn as much as you can, because I, I think the answers start to come to you when you really open yourself up to the world and, and think outside the box. I mean, I came up with my idea for Amicus Tutoring, which was my first business while, you know, staring out the window during lunch at my office, um, after I had gotten some paperwork about possibly grading for the California bar exam. And, you know, and I've been trying to figure out what, you know, what activity sounded good to me that wouldn't require me to fully leave the law. And then the idea kind of popped into my head that I could possibly do some sort of teaching. And, you know, you just kind of have to be open to those ideas when they come. No, and I think for me, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a bunch of things. A, I don't think you can ever, I mean, you know, the future is unknowable. So we can't, you know, we can't ever know like, okay, this is all going to work out fine. It's at some point, I think you just have to sort of trust the process. Um, and for me, you know, I, I didn't mind working in a law firm in a lot of ways, but at some point the sort of work-life balance trade-off just didn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, I was a patent litigator 
and I was at a firm that did a lot of trial work. So all my cases were in Delaware. I was living in Delaware in a hotel for like months on end at trial. And, you know, it's just crazy. It's absolute insanity. And so, you know, at some point you start to look around at the rest of your life and you say, you know, all I do is go to work. I can't maintain any relationships with anyone. And so, you know, I think it gradually for a lot of people builds over time. And for me, I mean, what really motivated me to leave in the end was that I'd had this idea for the Girl's Guide to Law School, which originally I intended to write as a book, that basically was going to be all the things I wish that someone had told me when I was in law school. And it just wouldn't go away. So, you know, I'd had this my third year of law school. It's five years later. I'm at this firm and my friends are saying, look, you've been talking about this for the last five years. Either shut up about it, admit you're never going to do it, or do it. And in order to do it, basically I had to quit. So, you know, I had to sit with that for quite a long time. um, And then eventually, obviously, I left. Well, I I think, you know, it's really helpful for folks to hear from people like you who have done it uh, and have done it successfully. uh, And it's really helpful to actually get the the confidence to to do it yourself. But we've got to take a quick break. um, But I want you all to stay tuned because after the break, we'll be talking about how law students can prepare for the 21st century legal careers, not the 20th century careers. So this is normally the space in our show when we offer words from our sponsors, and this potentially represents a unique opportunity for you. The Legal Toolkit is seeking sponsors. You can hear your advertisement right here. What more could you ask for? If you're interested, contact the team at Legal Talk Network at info at LegalTalkNetwork.com. Welcome back to the second half of our show with Allison Monahan and Lee Burgess of Trey Boucher Legal Career Counseling. Now we're going to transition to a discussion about law students and law school since Allison and Lee work closely with this population. What should students do during law school to help them prepare for the 21st century legal career? Well, I think the thing is, one thing is people have to be really realistic about what they're getting into. And I think sometimes students think, oh, you know, I've gotten into law school, like as long as I do okay, which that is a separate question, whether they're going to do okay. But, you know, assuming I do okay, like everything will kind of be laid out for me. And outside of like the very, very top schools, you know, that path of get a firm job and live a happily ever after um, isn't real, isn't particularly realistic. And even, I mean, the thing that I think sometimes students don't realize is, even after you get that job, it doesn't solve your problems um, because you know 80% of people leave in the first five years. And so you're still gonna be left with this existential question of like, what are you going to do and how are you going to do it? So I think starting to look around realistically early and you know not just kind of get sucked onto these pathways can only be helpful. Yeah, I think some schools, you know, are also creating opportunities for you to meet a lot of people and while you're in law school and talk to a lot of different lawyers about the possible paths. I think that, you know, I agree with Allison, you have to be realistic that the big firm reality might not be your reality or you might not want it to be your reality, but then you need to start exploring different options. And in three years in law school, you can actually learn a lot about the legal community and what your options are, but you have to um, hustle a little bit. And, you know, and meet people and network and, um, 
you know, put yourself out there. And I think if you do that, you might be amazed at some of the opportunities that could come to you, but you're going to have to work for it. The jobs just aren't being laid at your feet like they were um, a number of years ago. And Allison kind of made a comment to it. I mean, the other thing is, it's just terrible to say, and I'm not just saying this because we run a law school tutoring company, but um, you do want to pursue excellence in law school. If your options are going to be greater if you do well. And it's not that you have to get straight A's, uh, which is almost impossible in law school with, uh, with the hard curve, but you do want to learn your craft because you, if you're a good lawyer, if you're good at what you do, if you're an excellent writer, if you're a great researcher, you're going to be more successful and have more options open to you. So doing um, your best, whatever that best may be, and excelling in any way that you can is going to create more opportunities for you. Right. And I think just being proactive about what you're specifically looking for. I mean, I have one of my good friends here is a lawyer. And, you know, when she was in law school, she did, she told me like six moot courts because she knew that that's what she wanted to do. And so she actually turned down the offer to be on law review so that she could do more moot court. Now, you know, if you ask the average sort of law school advisor or professor, like, should you turn down law review? They would say, no, like you should never do that. That's crazy. Um, but it was a trade-off for her. And, you know, looking back, she says, maybe I would have had different options if I had accepted that, but the options that I had were the ones that I wanted. And I think getting clear about what it is that you actually want and then being proactive about taking those opportunities um, will really benefit you in the long run. Yeah, I think that's an it's an interesting balance, really, because you've got the core curriculum, right, like the contracts and the torts and whatnot, which you know, it's it's sort of uh, the jury's out in terms of, you know, whether that is actually preparing you for even a traditional uh, career. Um, and then you've got all these other activities uh, that you can pursue that, you know, may be more important, especially if you're going to pursue an alternative legal career. And Lee, you you touched on this just a moment ago, uh, but in terms of the, the skills that you can gain from your law school experience, um, you know, whether it be to a traditional uh, legal career or whether it to be, you know, applied to a career like you two um, have right now, um, you know, what sort of skills um, do you think you can really obtain in law school? Well, I think Allison uh, brought it up earlier in the podcast, this idea that um, use law school to teach yourself to be an amazing student, because um, if, no matter what kind of law you practice or if you open up your own business, you're going to be asked to become experts in things very quickly. I mean, the litigation I worked on when I was practicing law was on topics that I had never even thought about. <laughs> so, and, you know, you have to go become well-versed in, you know, in technical terms, in processes, in business models, so you can even just do your legal job. So I think, you know, using law school to really train yourself to be, to excel at learning is a really great opportunity. But I also think that in today's world where writing is such uh, an important element of almost any job, you should really craft your skill and become, you know, an excellent writer and a communicator because um, now, especially so much of our work is online over email. And, you know, if you do practice traditionally through the courts, you need to be able to be, you know, an excellent writer and be able to write with professionalism. And I also think the last thing is, um, to really learn how to be a professional. I think sometimes um, students go to law school and they they kind of forget that it's a professional school. You're trying to join a profession that's um, 
that many people take very, very seriously. And um, you need to learn how to be a professional and what that means. And that can be by, um, you know, d- building relationships with professors. It can be, you know, getting opportunities to work while you're in law school. Um, but you should learn from those around you. Um, you know, you might be in law school with people who have had a career previously. I was a, a consultant before I went to law school. And so I had a lot of uh, work experience before I went and decided to pursue a legal career. So I was able to, you know, t- take the professional lessons I learned and applied them to um, the law. So I think kind of looking for those opportunities in law school um, will really build your skill set and make you marketable no matter what what you're going to do. Yeah, and I agree with everything that Lee said. I'll just add sort of in a slightly joking manner. You know, when people ask me, well, what did you what did you get out of law school? Like, what did you really take away from this? Because I had previously done a different master's program that frankly was harder than law school. Um, never go to architecture school if you thought law school was hard, <laughs> particularly if you're bad at being an architect, which I was, which is why I don't do it. But anyway, you know, and it's sort of a joke, but I say, you know, basically I learned to be a jerk on command. And I think there's actually some deeper value to that in that if you have that sort of confidence um, and you've been in these sort of like high pressure environments that law school is and you've survived and you've gotten through and you've gotten through the exam and you've gotten through the bar exam, it actually gives you a sort of fundamental, unshakable confidence that I can do this and no one's going to walk on me and I have the whole force of the law behind me. And I don't know, I find that useful, even though we rarely have to pull it out these days. No, it's absolutely true. I mean, my um, I am the daughter of two lawyers. And one thing my mom always used to tell me when after I decided to go to law school was that, um, you know, once you're a lawyer, you're always a lawyer, no matter what other role you're playing. Um, and that, you know, this that you do stand there with, you know, with that prestige and that confidence that comes from having accomplished that, but also the skill set that's behind that. And you can, you know, use that uh, in uh, many facets of your life, um, hopefully for good, not for evil. But, um, and I think that is something that's, that's unique about the law. Well, Allison, I, I actually trained my attorneys to be cordial um, to each other. So <laughs> I don't know, we may, may have to take out that part. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I, I, I get your point. It's not even actually, I, that sounds, it sounds much worse than it is. It's not about being rude or not I being know. cordial. Um, it's really just about, you know, well, I probably shouldn't say what I was going to say because we'll be on a podcast. Never mind. <laughs> the, the FCC might come after us. <laughs> No, I I see your point, and and I I do think it it does instill confidence in grads, and that's important. Um, so let let's turn this around a little bit, and let's talk about law schools and what they are doing or not doing to prepare students for 21st century careers. Because this has been a very popular topic, uh, recently appeared in Newsweek. Uh, there's lots of different ideas out there, right? Reducing the number of years of law school, adding more practical or clinical work, eliminating professor tenure, using online education. Uh, you know, the ideas are endless. So, you know, what are your opinions uh, in terms of, you know, law schools, what, you know, what can they do to help prepare students for the 21st century legal careers? Well, I think a lot of them are doing, and no, actually, maybe not a lot, some of them are doing very interesting work, I think, in, at least that I'm aware of in a lot of different areas, um, you know, thinking about law and design and technology together. I think it's Michigan State that's doing that. Uh, I mean, Georgetown, I know, has some interesting stuff 
with one else coming in that call the search before the search, where they try to really get people to think through these career issues and what they're looking for in advance. And so I think there's a wide spectrum of schools that are trying to make change. I don't think it's easy. Um, I wouldn't want to be a law school dean at this point. You know, I think that the outside pressures and the pressures of the economy are huge and they're real. And, you know, they have this sort of entrenched business model you know, where professors are doing research and they're not really teaching that much. And, you know, and frankly, most professors at a lot of schools haven't ever really practiced or they haven't practiced for 20 years. So they're just, I mean, I don't want to say they're out of touch, but they're sort of out of touch. And, you know, I think there are attempts to sort of get law students up to speed on things like technology, but, you know, you're really fighting against the tide there because a lot of these are people who went to law school, you know, because they're bad at math or whatever. And so, you know, I think it's just a really sticky problem. And I think, you know, the schools want to be, and in some sense are experimenting, and then it's not clear what the market really wants. So I don't, I don't think this is a, an easy problem by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I mean, I, I respect the stories that I hear coming out of the schools, of the schools really creating opportunities for the students to explore. You know, I know that some schools are doing solo practice incubators, even allowing, you know, really helping students to figure out how to graduate and start a solo practice, Um, you know, creating different clinics, um, offering classes on starting your own business or being an entrepreneur. I think, I think that's great. Um, I think the schools are going to be slower to change um, than maybe some people would hope because they're institutions and institutions are always slow to change. You know, I think that the law students themselves kind of need to take a little bit of ownership um, over their career path, too, and uh, make sure that they are taking advantage of the opportunities presented to them both through the school. And if they see holes in those opportunities, you know, to figure out how to get that experience some other way, either through externships or working or um, volunteering or networking. You know, I think in the end, it's, it is the student's career path and they need to kind of figure out um, how to gain the skills they want to be successful as well. All right. Well, I hope uh, the institutions are listening in to this. Uh, good, good ideas, good thoughts. Do you, either of you, both of you have final thoughts that you can impart to our listener, law students and lawyers that are seeking out new opportunities or seeking career advice? You know, one thing that Allison and I frequently do talk about um, with each other and with a lot of different lawyers is that, you know, although there is a lot of doom and gloom around the legal profession, the world still really needs great lawyers and lawyers are doing amazing things. Um, You know, we both are in San Francisco and, you know, we go to events where you know, people fresh out of law school have started basically a nonprofit startup to provide legal services to an area in the Bay Area that had basically no free legal um, aid whatsoever. And, you know, they did that by just graduating from law school. That's That was their dream. And I've heard people um, who are attorneys who basically are helping people in developing countries get land rights and are revolutionary, revolutionizing people's lives by just helping broker deals for people to get land. And lawyers are doing all of this stuff. So I don't want people to get so negative about the law because we need them. You know, we need lawyers doing amazing things and thinking outside the box. Um, so as much as I think you can get frustrated with the realities, it is a chance for opportunity. Technology 
and the startup culture that we kind of have going right now in our economy is a great opportunity for people who do want to do something different. And, you know, you can change your corner of the world in, in any way that you want to by just coming up with something new. I am like Allison. If you had told me when I was in law school that this is what I would be doing, I would have probably laughed. But I'm glad that you know, I, we decided to try something new and, and build something from the ground up. And I'm, I'm also glad that I'm still able to participate in the legal community uh, in the way that I'm, I'm doing it. So I think one of the imparting words of wisdom is just please don't get t- too discouraged because there's a lot of good work to be done. There are a lot of amazing lawyers doing that work. Um, but you should go out and meet them and become excited about opportunities because I think there are are unhappy lawyers out there, but there are a lot of happy lawyers too. Um, So you should try and find them. Go to networking events, invite people out for coffee, send emails. You know, when opportunities come up, say yes. That's another thing we talk to a lot of people about, especially law students. If somebody offers to help you, say yes. Um, If somebody says um, they will meet with you, say yes, because you never know uh, where some of those networking conversations will lead. I mean, Allison and I met over Twitter we went for coffee because we found out we lived like within a mile of each other. And now, you know, years later that we are still running these businesses together, you never know um, where, you know, a coffee date or an email or something like that might take you. Yeah. And I think particularly for students, that's a great point because oftentimes your school will actually pay for you to attend, say, a conference or a networking event. And if you're not taking advantage of that, that's just, you know, that's money and opportunity that you're really leaving on the table. And in terms of resources that are available, I mean, there's so much available online at this point. You know, a podcast like this one, or, you know, we know many other podcasts, they're like the trendy thing today. Um, but, you know, there's really great information from people who are very experienced, very knowledgeable, and they're willing to share that with you. And again, if you're not taking advantage of those opportunities, you're leaving them on the table. You know, whether it's subscribing to a newsletter from a website like Lawyerist or Solo Practice University or something that you're interested in, um, or going in and, you know, talking to someone like Heidi about your career path or about your practice, you know, there are all these options and it's just a question really of, of saying yes and saying, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm committed to this. I'm committed to being a lawyer or I'm committed to not being a lawyer. I'm committed to doing something else. And just taking those steps day by day to really move yourself in the direction you want to go. I mean, it sounds a little Pollyanna-ish, but that's really the way that, you know, that people get things done in the world. And be okay with challenging yourself to do something that maybe makes you a little uncomfortable. You know, sometimes it can be a little nerve-wracking to ask somebody, you know, that you find impressive or um, that you respect to have coffee with you. You know, that can be very intimidating, but you have to put yourself out there and do that. You know, we just actually were at a conference in San Jose, a large women's conference where we were listening to Dr. Brene Brown, you know, talk about vulnerability, talk about being uncomfortable, but that's sometimes where great things happen. So you just have to be willing to take these little chances because you never know, you know, where it's going to lead you. So let's say folks want to be proactive and they'd like to reach out to you and learn more about you and learn more about your experiences. How would they go about doing so? So, yeah, I mean, the thing is, Lee and I actually answer pretty much every email that someone sends to us. So if you send us an email through the contact form on the Law School Toolbox, which is lawschooltoolbox.com, we will typically answer you unless it falls into the ether and we apologize for that, but typically it doesn't. I mean, and we've, we've actually formed mentoring relationships with law students and young lawyers 
who have just written us through the site and said, hey, you know, I really I appreciate this content you're putting out. I have a question. Can you help me? Um, and, you know, we, we like helping people do things. I mean, I think that's the, you know, most people do enjoy helping. Um, so, you know, they can just drop us an email and visit the websites and we would be happy to help. Yeah. I mean, you should realize that everyone that you reach out to has their own network, you know, and just today we connected a law student with someone or a prospective law student with someone we knew was an alumni at a school that she was interested in going to. And now they're having a quality conversation about her career choices and because she just took the time to shoot off a random email because she had some questions. So take chances. You never, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are willing to help you. And our other two websites, if I can plug them, are uh, the Bar Exam Toolbox, which is baregzamtoolbox.com, and then Trebuchet Legal, which is trebuchetlegal.com. And then I still also, in my spare time, run the Girl's Guide to Law School. It's a lot of spare time. Yeah, lots of spare time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, well, well, thank you both so much uh, for joining me today on the Legal Toolkit. And uh, remember, folks, that you can check out all of our shows anytime you'd like at thelegaltalknetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Heidi and Jared for their next podcast, covering the current business trends for law firms. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.